0: Everybody is I, you all know you are you, and wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference, you are all of them, and when they come into being, that's you coming into being.
1: Hello, my name is Jon Erik Ospines. I live in Harstad, north of Norway. Uh, I'm listening to the podcast when I'm at work and when I'm driving excavator. And uh, in the evenings, nice podcast, very interesting. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, what is up, everyone? Hope you are all doing well wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much to Jan Aspanas from Norway. You really are all amazing people, and please keep sending these audio snippets in. We really do love to know a bit more about you, where you're from, and in general, what you are up to normally while you are listening to the podcast. And if you want to send one of these audio messages over to play at the beginning of the podcast, all you need to do is send them over to mine and Chris's email, which is Chris at ascendbodymind.com. The email can also be found on the Ascend podcast website on our contact form. There's also many other ways. Probably the best and most efficient way is probably to send them over via our Ascend podcast Facebook page. You can just record them on your phone and send them over easier that way. And if you're having problems sending them over please reach out out to me and Chris and we will guide you on how to do it. So anyway, this podcast is with a guy called Andrew Ditton. And Andrew invited me and Chris to his home in York where he's basically living. And he's living in a motorhome slash Airstream caravan, which is really cool and looks like sort of a... I said to Andrew that it looked sort of like a, a spaceship and if you don't believe us, you can check out the YouTube video as all these podcasts are in video so you can get a sense and a feel for what we where we sat and did the conversation. So basically, Andrew is living in an Airstream caravan and he's been living on the road for many years now with his beautiful dog, Dougal. And he creates many different YouTube videos on different things like caravans, motorhomes and van life in general. And he has. He also has a big interest in minimal, minimalism. I can't say that word. Minimalism. Minimal, minimal, minimalism. Living simply in intentional living. And we cover all this good stuff on the podcast and more. And I also just want to say we've had a few people using the donation option now to support the podcast. It really means a lot to us. And as you know, we also have a Patreon page where you can support us. And we don't run ads on this podcast and all we ask of you is if you consider supporting the podcast through our donation option or our Patreon page. And it really will go a long way in helping us maintain this podcast. And before we jump with it, jump in with this one as well, I wanted to play a piece from a comic called George Carlin. I'm sure you all know who he is. If you don't, I would recommend checking his stuff out. It really is such a cool Amazing comic that was well ahead of his time. But anyway, this piece that I'm going to play by George Carlin, I really do feel it sets the scene perfect for this podcast. So anyway, enjoy this piece by George Carlin, then the podcast straight away after we'll play, then enjoy the podcast with Andrew Ditton.
0: Peace. I would have been out here a little bit sooner, but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room, and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And I don't know how you are, but I need a place... To put my stuff so that's what i've been doing back there just trying to find a place for my stuff you know how important that is that's the whole that's the whole meaning of life isn't it trying to find a place for your stuff that's all your house is your house is just a place for your stuff if you didn't have so much goddamn stuff you wouldn't need a house you could just walk around all the time that's all your house is it's a pile of stuff with a cover on it You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you got to lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They don't bother with that crap you're saving. Ain't nobody interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. They're looking for the good stuff. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. <laughs> you've got to move all your stuff and maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that. There's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. <laughs> Enough about your stuff. Let's talk about other people's stuff. Did you ever notice when you go to somebody else's house, you never quite feel 100% at home? You know why? No room for your stuff. Somebody else's stuff is all over the place. And what awful stuff it is. Where did they get this stuff? And if you have to stay overnight at someone's house, you know, unexpectedly, and they give you a little room to sleep in that they don't use that often. Someone died in it 11 years ago and they haven't moved any of his stuff. (laughs) Or wherever they give you to sleep, usually right near the bed, there's a dresser and there's never any room on the dresser for your stuff. Someone else's shit is on the dresser. (laughs) Have you noticed that their stuff is shit and your shit is stuff? (laughs) Get that off of there. (laughs) Now, Now, sometimes you go on vacation you gotta bring some of your stuff with you. You can't bring all your stuff, just the stuff you really like. The stuff that fits you well that month. Let's say you're gonna go to Honolulu, you're gonna go all the way to Honolulu, you gotta take two big bags of stuff, plus your carry-on stuff, plus the stuff in your pockets. You get all the way to Honolulu and you get in your hotel room and you start to put away your stuff. That's the first thing you do in a hotel room is put away your stuff. I'll put some stuff in here, put some stuff down there. Here's another place for some stuff here. I'll put some stuff over there. You put your stuff over there. i am putting my stuff over here. Here's another place for some stuff. Hey, we got more places than we've got stuff. We're going to have to buy more stuff.
2: They're socks, by the way, but they're clean. Okay. <laughs>
3: okay.
4: <laughs> we are clean. I'm glad you're done. This one's the not one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Really What do you socks because um we had the fancy ones for some reason they never worked and these work the best so, uh, <laughs> really didn't oh, that's, that's, that's minimalism for you <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You using your socks using your underwear next <laughs> yeah
4: <laughs> didn't know it was that kind of podcast <laughs> <laughs> there's much to know <laughs> yeah so anyway
2: thank you so much for um, inviting us to your home as well really beautiful as well oh thanks for asking and, me um, when I first came across your work we've actually wanted to do a podcast for a while about minimalism and uh, living simply and things like that yeah But I think, why I think this is an interesting period in time to have a conversation like this, especially for me me in my life, because I've gone through a period where I'm starting to look at minimalism, looking at uh, living more simply and things like that. But I think in society in general, me and Chris were talking about this on the way down, there seems to be this sort of underlying thing in people's minds where people are knowing that the way that they live in their lives isn't quite right. There's like an itch in people's backs and minds. Mm. But was it was that similar for you? Did you have an itch in your mind that the way that you were living in the past wasn't really aligned with who you truly want to be?
3: It, it took a long time. Yeah. It took a long time because I grew up obsessed with money, mm. obsessed with possessions, and I just all I wanted to do was make money. That's all I wanted to do. And yeah, like you say, people realize it's not it's not self serving at all, and. a a while ages ago but I've always been uh, messy and I've never I've always been overwhelmed by everything and a friend of mine he he had a book by a lady called Elaine St. James called Simplify Your Life this was back this was a lady in the 80s I think who had a huge life she down downsized And I kept trying to simplify, and I never really did, but one thing led to another. I discovered windsurfing, and I bought a little caravan. I'd always been caravanning, and then I bought a little caravan, decided I wanted to go windsurfing around the world, and I took a year off my job, lived in this caravan for a year to save up, went around Europe with this caravan, and then lived in it for another year, and i kind of got hooked on the lifestyle so it's been a really slow gradual gentle process and as you know everything is always a journey mm-hmm. it's you never make it it's this is this i i still haven't finished doing what i'm doing yeah. i still struggle with certain elements but yes it's definitely at the moment it's the way of life how me. long
2: have you been living in the on the road now?
3: At the moment, I've been living full-time for six years. Before that, um, I would be full-time just in the summer, uh, rent my house out as a holiday let because mm-hmm. um, it was on the coast and live there in the winter. As I say, before that, I've been in and out full-timing for best part of 20 years now. Wow. And as I say, this particular period now has been six years with absolutely no sign of that stopping Oh, it, I, it's 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 really good because the other thing is there are plenty of challenges, but when you downsize, when you simplify, you are living more intentionally. You're looking, you're focusing on what matters to you, and you're less distracted by what you should be doing. And I just find it it's it it takes so much pressure off you. Because, Mm. for example, you can live on less. I mean, you still need to work. You know, let's not pretend this is a free way of life. You still need to work. You still need to pay site fees. You still need to pay diesel, insurance, and all this kind of thing. But, for example, now I'm freelance, and if I don't fancy doing a job, I don't have to take it because I don't need the money to survive. Mm. Because... I know that if it all goes wrong, I can run away to a field
2: and live on just a few hundred pounds a month until things... I I love that because that's what I think when you said the word intentional living, I think that's in in my own life as well. That's what I've learned very quick is that if you are more intentional about where you're putting your attention in terms of money things that you buy even the relationships and the people who you associate with that essence of you focusing on intentional living provides you a platform where you can say to somebody I don't need to work five days at work I don't need to work 48 hours a week whatever it is you can actually have a a more intentional approach to your work life and it gives you a balance in everything else
3: absolutely I mean again I'm still fumbling my way through yeah so much (laughs)
2: yeah we're all fumbling
3: our way through this journey called life and I gave up my job on the railway, oh gosh, was it 18 months ago now, and decided to try living this way and do a freelance uh, content creator. And <clears throat> it, it's taken off beyond my wildest dreams, and now I feel a little bit overwhelmed by that. So now I need to rein that in a bit. But the problem is like a lot of things it's not a job it's a it's a way of life and when someone says to you oh would you like to go to the airstream factory in america and film airstreams being made for us and we'll pay you to do that yes Um, please yes please (laughs) you know it's hard to say no so um it's also you can still be i still feel i'm rushing around a lot but i
2: i never stop smiling you know, have you? Mm-hmm. This is an interesting question. I didn't really want to take it here, but it just made us think of it in mind. When you've actually started putting more attention, like since since you've shifted your life, mm. it, obviously naturally you put more attention in certain things. When you have shifted your attention slightly, have you found that more opportunities have come up that's more in line with who you are as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I yes. find that. Yeah. Happens once,
3: doesn't it? Yeah. And the other thing I've picked up, and you've mentioned them in some of your previous podcasts, yeah. is the people you surround yourself with it's so important it's so important and i won't bore you with a whole story but a friend of mine she she's polish she came over to the uk and the people she was mixing with were saying oh well maybe you could get a job on the production line in a factory and this that and the other but this was a qualified nurse she was multilingual and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with factory work but she was extremely talented. But the people she was surrounding herself with were almost a little bit jealous of her. Mm. And I was saying, no, I think you'll make a fantastic air stewardess. You'll be brilliant. You've got all the... And to her, at the time, we're going back to the 90s, she thought that was just way beyond her. And I kept saying, no, no. You you, you would make a fantastic... Anyway, last I knew, she was flying long haul for British Airways. Ah, mm. oh, I see. Uh, and, yeah, I... I've since made a a very 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 close dear friend over the past eighteen months, and she is also um a freelancer writer and we work so well together because we basically egg each other along we we spur each other on just we we value each other and we show each other how great each other is and it boosts you and you go hey actually you know when i put in when i apply for this job i'm going to say hey you know if you want me you're going to have to pay this much and you think oh gosh that's really a lot and but it works and rather than someone saying oh well you don't want to put too much you don't want to ask too much because you might not get the job and and then you'd regret it you know (laughs) this is the thing it's that the people you surround yourself with You, you do not want to be surrounding yourself with naysayers and things like that and I just think that
4: is crucial absolutely crucial yeah, yeah. then when did you start I um, I know you've like minimalized your life in a sense of um, your house environment but mm. um, in your internal re- relationships with like, your friends and your family yeah when did you realize like there must be a, a step to take like I must have to make the move how can someone actually make that step if they're actually thinking right now I'm really looking at my friends and family and they're really bringing me down what would yeah. you say to them that in that position
3: I would say it's not easy uh, because we are brought up to want to be liked and we do want to be li- we all want to be liked mm-hmm. and if you've got friends th- there are basically three kinds of friends there are your There are nostalgic friends, people you may have went to school with, you know, you maybe worked with, and you've both, you've lived your lives, and you've maybe moved on with new beliefs. You like each other, and this is the thing, it took me a while to realise that not all friendly people can be your friends. And so they're sort of nostalgic friends, and then you've got like the... What I don't know, I don't know how you describe these people, but people you know, they're kind of good friends, but they're actually only friends with you for their own benefit, and maybe they're manipulating you slightly. Yeah. They make you feel bad if mm. you do. Oh, you never ring, <clears throat> you never call, and this is families, very yes. Oh, you never <laughs> ring, you never call, and. Um, and then you've got your true friends—the people who really, really inspire you and mm. push you, and you know will tell you if you, you look stupid, but will tell you if you look fantastic and and you're doing well, and who will support you even if they don't understand. So I had—it's it, sad. I mean, I wouldn't say I've fallen out with anyone, but my circle of friends has certainly shifted, mm. and I do find—I mean. With living like this with not having a permanent base and always traveling i find it really hard i miss community i mm. miss community so much because that is so important again as you mentioned point, in, yeah
4: a lot of people um who i know when i talk about this type of lifestyle yeah. and they always mention well what well, seems too hectic you don't know have a set residence you, you what it is is it's too much uncertainty and that <laughs> brings about chaos in the mind but it's in your essence, it's completely opposite, really, because it's brought down more of a piece. It's become more, more of who you are. It's, ex- it's a real expression of who you. Yeah. And that's what yeah. people don't understand. I mean, that's where I want to like know, like, why is it like such as um, something which is sound secure? Because it does sound secure. Like you got your fixed residence. You got your, you got your four walls. You got your couch, and you know it's yeah. always gonna be there. Yeah. And like, yeah. why is it like? So different now, and in this type of lifestyle, than than there. Where's the why? Why do we have comfort in this sort of lifestyle, and they're really involved in this crazy rat race in the mind? Absolutely, but I do find that
3: um, doing what I do, because I don't just stay in this airstream. I I work for other caravan and motorhome manufacturers, and I take their vehicles away, and it is a cliche but it's true that home really is a state of mind yeah yeah, it's not a really good point the it's not the four walls it's not the country you're in it's it's the people who are around you it's you know if I've got Dougal my dog here (laughs) that I'm home Um, and just a few little bits and pieces that remind me of home memories and that's really all you need I think As long as you're in a space that you like that's home and one thing I'm still trying to understand on on a logical way I can't is that I'm from Dover in Kent and in 2009 I first went for the first time ever to the Outer Hebrides of Scotland and for the first time in my life at the age of 39 I felt at home no, i cannot explain that logically i still can't i've done everything from i go up there regularly i i've even learned to speak gallic i've got friends up there i've got into the culture the music the landscape everything i still cannot logically tell you why i feel at home in a place that i only first went to when i'm 39 and when i leave i'm sort of tearing up now when i leave it tears my heart out it absolutely tears my heart out wow and um you know a lot of i do youtube videos and a lot of my viewers will know that when i'm finishing leaving the hebrides i'm usually either a complete blob of snot and tears in the car going (laughs) (laughs) or all all the video finishes with me looking wistfully off the end of a calmec ferry going (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah and and so you know they feel like home why yeah Uh, it's something it's not just about four walls and it's not just about a tin can on wheels it is home is where you park it but home is a state of mind yeah i think yeah, a lot definitely. of
2: these i like that because i think i have the same affiliation i've talked about some podcasts before With some reason why i go to greece i don't know if it's because i've watched too many troy films yeah we've <laughs> been talking about this times, <laughs> we? but i just get this affiliation with um greece for some I reason like greece, yeah. i felt like i mean it could be absolutely nothing but i feel like sometimes in my past life i was a greek warrior or something or a greek god <laughs> 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 you wish <laughs> <laughs> uh, I- I, I Servant girl, Molly. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> but
3: I, I again, when I used to go windsurfing on the island of Kefalos, and um, met a girl there who she moved there because she went down the bay on the island of Kos mm-hmm. to to Kefalos, and boom, that was it. She felt at home. She stayed there, and. What I've done now a lot, I mean, if you are, we're on a, a caravan site at the moment and I say, if you go around and ask most of these people staying here, um, what do you hate most about caravanning? They'll probably say the thing we hate most is going home. And my simple answer to that is why don't you just don't go home, don't go home, yeah. just, just mm-hmm. erase that process. And it's as simple as that. And I think too, with you, sorry if I'm jumping around, no, but neither, yeah. um, you know, with what you said about Greece and how I feel about the Hebrides and stuff, I, I think both, what's interesting is Greece and the Western Isles of Scotland are very spiritual places. Mm-hmm. You've got the callanish Stones on the Isle of Lewis, and you've got lots of um, tools and standing stones, and um, I don't know much about that side of things, but I believe there are ley lines and things, and it is a truly spiritual place, and I think if you are switched on, if you are receptive to certain, whatever it will be, frequencies, I don't know, then yes, you'll go somewhere, you'll lock onto that frequency and go, oh, I'm home. Mm. And I think that's what happens when I go to the Hebrides. Yeah. And probably what happens when you go to Greece yeah. is, oh, you know, I'm, I'm home. And we, we, we as mere, simple, stupid humans cannot even begin to understand what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. How much do you when you when you brought up the spiritual side of things there? Because this is something that just came come in my mind there. Because us on this planet, um thousands, of, hundreds of thousands of years ago, like the nomadic style of people, would be travelling around the planet all the time. Yeah. And us as a civilization, we've got to a point now where uh Western civilizations come along and we've modernized everything. Where there's not there's very few people on the planet who still live that old sort of prehistoric human who we truly are. Really, who would have yeah. always been for thousands of years. I mean, even our life now and is a is a sort of a, a more than one day human. It's only been a small sliver compared to yeah. nomadic travelers and people like that. Yeah. How much have you ever th- thought about the aspect of how much that that could be a deeper pull within inside you to to live the way you live living now moving around?
3: I think you're absolutely spot on there, Dan. Because funnily enough, today I was listening to a TED talk, mm-hmm. and it was actually inspired by you because I think I oh. what, saw <laughs> I think I saw one of your. Food posts, and was it about paleo diet oh, and it, anyway, that. it was um I hate to say this is it was an archaeologist who was completely bombing the paleo diet and all the concepts <laughs> and all that, yeah. but what she brought up was paleolithic man used to travel um to where the food was, yeah, um, a bit like animals still do now, some wild animals, birds, and things mm-hmm. um so they would they they had to travel in order to survive because I had to travel to where the food was and I think, well, actually, yeah, why not? Why not travel and say, go to say the Hebrides when it's beautiful weather and lovely. And then when the weather starts getting a bit rubbish, then start heading somewhere else yeah. and go somewhere else. And, uh, you know, so in a modern day context, that could be well, where the work is and, you know, where the, where the best food is. So, yeah, I think, if you want, if you look at it that way, I think there could be an element of that, why I living this way challenges so many given concepts of how we live today. Mm. And one of those is why do you need to live in one place? As I've mentioned before, I think one of those reasons could be community, uh, because I have no community, I feel. Um, I have friends dotted around, and I have to invest a lot more time in those friendships than maybe yeah. other people.
2: But the thing is though, with Monday. Sorry to jump in, yeah. but the, the thing is with Monday community. That sense of community isn't there anymore. That's that's lacking. So I think what I feel is because when I go to, because I went to a place um, a while ago called Tarifa, and there was a group of very I like, like Tarifa, yeah, on yeah. the kite Safe. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> oh, a beautiful place as well. That's where all the kite are. Yeah. But that's a beautiful area where a lot of like-minded people are leaving where they wherever they wherever they, wherever they class as home and they're going to a place like that, and then they're meeting other like-minded people, and they're having to sort of stretch their boundaries in their lives to find a a more sort of better community. Mm. And that's what I feel in society, because in general, I mean, do you you really talk to your neighbour next door? Because I don't.
4: No, Uh, the opposite. Avoid them. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. You do, though, don't you, really? No, yeah, Uh, I understand, but... um, I understand where the community aspect is gone. I mean, like, we're a lot more isolated in our own homes now there's a lot more going on on the tv there's not just two channels anymore where yeah. we, we are expressing it there's not just like one tv where everyone goes around each other's house everyone everyone's got like all these comforts and that and but a lot of people like when they see like someone in the area they actually live here and they could have lived there for about yeah. 15 20 years i mean i've lived in my place for like two years now and, and i look around i go i've never met that person in my life and they could just live like three or four doors down i mean there's so much disconnect now in like in communities but there is also the other aspect of it whereas we're finding communities more like online or something like that where we're we're meeting people who would never we're, fi- we're socializing with people who have common interests we're not just talking about the weather or the the local council we're actually yeah. talking about eng- Things really engaging and engage co- that yeah, conversations yeah. that matter and we're finding that online so maybe our community is just redirected to an online forum instead of the next door neighbor
3: that, that's true to some extent but you still you know we when you were setting up you said that you've given up doing podcasts by skype because you missed that connection yeah, yeah. It was that the, as well so, so that that sort of says about that yeah definitely one thing though I do want to throw in at this point and it could again explain why I like the Hebrides so much is because all these studies and things they always show that the Outer Hebrides is the happiest place in the UK to live and the one thing that they have there is community it's the one thing I love about and as I say I even went as far as learning Scottish Gaelic because it was a great thing to do but it also helped me contribute to a community in a little way, and even now when I go up there, I make my little videos and show what a lovely place it is. And um, I no, don't make a penny out of these videos. No one commissions me to make these videos, and I can't even add cents to them because generally I use the Scottish music with permission, but I can't. Yeah. I can't make yeah. any revenue. It's just because I want to give something back, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I love the Western Isles is because the people there they're generally, if they saw a stranger in the uh, in the road, it, they wouldn't be thinking, what does that person want from me? They'll be thinking, what can I do to help that person? What does that mm-hmm. person need from me that I can help them with? And that, that mindset, and I think a lot of that to do is, is um, not so much insularity, but I think it's distance from the madness of mainland living mm-hmm. and... It's very interesting too. I think people here think, well, I'm not going to, as we said, surround yourself with like-minded people, but some people do that to the exclusion of everyone around them. And then, because they think, well, I'm not going to associate with with these people because I don't need them. And then suddenly they've got nobody to help them even just do something like lift a washing machine out of a car. And again, in the Hebrides, everyone always knows someone. Yeah, yeah. And yeah.
2: There's lots of uh, studies now, though you know as well, um, coming out now, saying that the biggest thing for human longevity and health is actually community. Yeah. Like in the past, where they used to say it was, it was things like uh, eating, f- we you eat your food and what, how you exercise your body, but it's actually the, completely opposite. It's actually who your relationships are, who your friends yeah. are, and things like yeah. that. I yeah. think that's fascinating. Yeah. No, I
4: completely yeah. agree there. I mean, I've got a very close circle of friends. I mean, but they've always been. I've always been like very choosy and cautious with friends. I've let people in, but it's ones who help me manifest and grow to be mm. better. I can help them push them, and we can communicate better. It's the yeah. ones who you can communicate with, you the ones who you can really evolve together with, they're the ones who you really thrive with. And this Absolutely. is not Dan's yeah. horn later, yeah. but he's been one of my friends like for a long time, and yeah. he's helped me evolve as a person. I've helped him in an aspect, and we've also got very close friends who's very similar. <laughs> But also, I suppose
3: what I'm trying to say is yes, exactly, that's what we all need to do but not at the exclusion of everybody else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. I think everyone... That's hard as well. Though, it is hard, it is hard because if you are, say for example, your neighbours with someone who whose politics are completely opposed to yours but other than that, you've got common ground, you've both got similar interests and you can help each other out. Sometimes that can be hard but you've still got... I suppose it's being able to pick those things that where you can help each other and compliment each other and just saying, look, you know, we're never going to agree on this bill. So let's just not talk about that. But, you know, that when you need nourishing and nurturing, that's when you go to people like Dan, you know, you're Mm. really,
2: really close friends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Would you see that since you've had this more sort of simple lifestyle now, would you see your life is much richer in terms of nearly every aspect of your life grief yes yeah
3: yeah yeah, absolutely i um i would say this has made my life richer and the second thing is this has allowed me then to get a dog and oh my goodness the way that the dog has enriched my life is just no no measure but uh yeah it what i love about living like this is you're very much in tune with what's going on outside. You you know what the weather's doing and if it's you can hear it tippy tapping on the roof, you know it's raining and you know when it's cold, you know when it's warm and sometimes I obviously go and stay with my mum and I find it a bit disconcerting you're in the house and you don't actually know what the weather's doing yeah. outside. Oh so, I never thought about that. Yeah, you don't really do you? You you shut the curtains and if you you're double glazing, you really don't know what it's doing outside. I know what it's doing. Most of the time, if there is maybe snowing, I can't tell until I open the curtains. But yeah, so and and also, it just yeah, I see a lot more, and not just going around seeing different things, but just for example, tonight there was a beautiful sunset through the trees. Yeah, there it was, we well, seen one yeah, driving. Yeah. yeah, because you see out a lot more living like this.
2: It's weird because i mean i've been i get wrapped up in this quite a lot and I, this is one of my things where i try to sort of give myself my own psychological mind a nudge yeah. to to do things more like go outside and go in nature but even the, the sense of i mean because we've all got these mobile phones where we're walking around and i'm guilty of this myself and you've got your head down yeah. one thing that i th- find and it's a really good practice as well and it makes your eye even tune into a, a deeper aspect of that you just this cosmic you, you, we, we forget that when we're walking around see you've got a mobile phone in your hand you're so engrossed in what's going on within something that's probably completely out of your control, mm-hmm. but not realising that you've actually got this big, sort of beautiful blue sky mm. above your head. And w- when you take yourself away from that for one second and look at the sky, or even the night sky and look at the stars, it makes you realise that you're part of something even larger than just your mobile phone. Yeah. That's right. what I find a lot of the time.
3: I, I struggle with the phone thing. Mm-hmm. and I, I think we all do. I think we all do, and I, I make a point, I'm trying to make a point right now of, Um, switching it off at times putting it into flight mode at times Um, not just do not disturb but flight mode yeah and leaving it behind but i suppose because it's a camera i still you still like to take it and you will think emergencies so i think putting your phone into flight mode sometimes and just leaving it and like you say i try and do that now with dog walks and again Google doesn't like it if I'm staring at the screen
1: when I should yeah. be throwing a ball. So. Yeah, I think,
2: I, I think there, there is something where it's not. A, I don't think because I don't know this might change because my opinions always change. But um, there is a point where I'm at a point now where I, I don't think we should just completely get rid of the mobile phone. I think it's learning to ba- have a balance within that. Mm. It was like, either, um, it was about, I think it was two weeks ago or something. Uh, I went wild camping. I stayed in the woods for two nights, Mm. and even Chris said because you see me Instagram, didn't you? I I took a picture of it of Mm -hmm. the the bags when I was gone, and then you went as well. Where's your other pictures? And I went, there's no pictures because I didn't take my mobile phone with us. I literally took a picture of us just going on my social Mm. media, Mm. and then left my phone and went in the woods. Went wild camping in the woods for two nights. And such it was such a beautiful um, experience. You know, like you know, you were saying before about how you when even when you just living outside in a mm. camper van mm. you become more tuned with the the, the natural world of outside yourself yeah. it's the same thing as well within nature and I think we are losing something that's very important to be in tune with I really do yeah
3: that's a really good point yeah. actually uh, again I start to keep banging on about the Hebrides but on certain parts of the Isle of Harris you've got no signal uh, especially where you've got a Haugelpost camp it's so, so good that by the way as well it's so that. good because <laughs> also the other thing is then that makes your phone and your internet use intentional Yeah. so I've tried and failed to do things like okay I'm I'm going to switch my phone off at nine o'clock in the evening and then if I think of oh I must I want to look that up because you're so used to thinking well how long is it going to take me to get to my destination tomorrow oh I'll just look on maps to make a point of actually writing it down and then in the morning if it's still important then yeah look it up and you'd be surprised most things on that list you never bother looking up
4: I'm gonna do that actually. That's a really. I think. Oh, I think a lot of people should try that. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. I. But again, you you would think that the the simplest thing is would be. To, oh yeah, I'll switch my phone off at nine o'clock and I'll switch it back on at nine o'clock in the morning. You try doing that. Actually just, it but, sounds
2: so simple. It but, is so hard. But as well, you can we actually we can actually use technology to work for us because what I've actually got in my house now is I've got a. Um, there's a i don't know the technical te- technical capability of it but there's basically a thing that you can put on your router mm. that'll switch your wi-fi off when it gets yeah. to a certain time at night yeah uh-huh. and you can buy them on um no advert this i think you can buy them on amazon yeah
4: <laughs> so people's paying for the internet and then they're paying for it to take away yeah
1: i guess that's they'd be calling that management yeah <laughs>
3: internet management um but yeah, that's something I've tried, and um, it's like everything is—you just really got to get in the habit of it. But it's so easy that once you've not done it one or two nights because you've been working too late or something like that, you just forget about it. But no, that's that is something is I do I try, and I've got to try again because I've been failing miserably over the past few weeks yeah. to try and get that phone switched off at nine o'clock. Mm. And um, as I say, then you have a pen and paper, and if you think, oh. I want to know how much is going to be on the train to go to London tomorrow. Or, you know, next week, write it down on your list. Yeah. And then in the morning you go through that list and, oh, that didn't take very long. Whereas you knew if you went did it the night before, you'd be going down rabbit holes and you'd be there at <laughs> yeah. midnight. Yeah.
2: When, we, when we're talking about uh, minimalism before as well, what what does actually the word minimalism and living simply actually at your core mean to you, would you say? Concentrating on the good stuff. Yeah, And...
3: It's a cliche, but quality over quantity. So for example, um, I'm a motorcyclist. I've got one leather jacket. It weighs about 10 kilos. It costs 600 US dollars. It costs 600 US dollars. And I've had it nearly 20 years. It's it's part of me, it's amazing, it's quality, it's got history, it's fantastic. It's the best leather jacket you can get.
1: Yeah.
3: Why do I need any more?
1: Yeah. I can only wear
3: one leather jacket on the bike. So why do I need why is it that someone says, Oh yes, I've got five, you know, I've got these racing leathers and I've got this and I've got that and I've got that. But you can only wear one on the bike. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's it's about everything has to have purpose, meaning, function, and it's back to intentionality. Yeah. It's, it's got to be bought with intention.
2: So is it, what's your method? Because one of the methods I do is, I mean, I live a very minimalistic lifestyle. I mean, not fully, but I'm tr- trying my best at the minute. I'm filtering a lot of things it's out. It's a journey. Yeah. 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 But what's your sort of process? I mean, because just to give a bit of an idea, what I do is, is if I see an object that I, that me sort of my subconscious mind really wants, I'll turn around and I'll ask the question. I'll say one question I'll always ask is does this re- add value in my life? And another yeah. one is I'll ask as well is I'll say, how much time do I have to give away to get this thing? That's a big Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. That's
3: a really good point. And it's something that I think a lot of people could do well to think of if, say for example, they're buying a house and oh well i've got to have three bedrooms because you know i've got one for a study and then one for a guest room and you say well how of you know how much are you pay <laughs> for that extra room and how many nights in the hotel down the road is that going to pay if you have people coming to stay yeah. and yes things like that absolutely yeah um but the process for me Um, again I'm no expert I still have stuff in my mum's garage that I have not sorted out for six years and the longer you leave it the easier it is to get rid of stuff and Mm. so for example I'll give you a classic example when I quit my job on the trains 18 months ago my name badge um, for the train I couldn't throw it away because it was so sentimentally valuable to me 12 months on I now firmly have very happy memories of that job Um, and but now 12 months on I could easily put that in the, the bin because it's no value to me anymore I've got the memories and a great tip is if someone's finding it hard to get rid of stuff and I also do this if you're somewhere that you see something you like and you think you might want to buy it take a photograph of it so either take a photograph of it before you discard it it's a really good one or if you see something in a shop and you think oh i'm gonna buy that rather than buy it take a photograph of it go home and then the following week if you still want to buy it if it's a small thing and um then yes you can go and buy it but i find that an ikea is the place because i love design i love cool things and i think And especially affordable cool things for for everyday people I think Ikea is amazing at doing that but they're also amazing at marketing and I think so many people go to Ikea and say oh I'm going to buy this because it looks really nice and it might go nicely in my bathroom
1: Mm.
3: rather than buy it take a photo of it and then go home and then look at your bathroom and then look at the photo and if you still want it even if Ikea is an hour away you think okay well next time I go I'll get that I can bet you that 90% of the time you won't bother. Yeah. So that's one process. I, funny, I, I love use. that. And when you were mm. saying
2: before about uh, the sentimental stuff, I have an interesting mm. story because this is how I start, started, sort of got over sentimental stuff in my mind is uh, what happened was, is my granddad passed away. I think it was about maybe about six years ago, seven years ago when my granddad passed away. And I noticed that my me, me nana, that's a grandma for America, always have to say that. Mm. But basically she was keeping a lot of his sentimental stuff in boxes and things. And there was one day where i went into her bedroom and I, had, I seen the box mm. and it was seven years since you boxed it away and that box wasn't even hadn't even been opened since the first yeah. time that you sealed it up yeah. so at that moment in my mind i knew straight away that from seeing that example is that like me- memories are not in objects no. memories are in, already in, in us mm. yeah absolutely
3: yeah. and again if you want just want to trigger then um a photo will do But the other thing is, and this is something else that kind of helps me, is that I struggle, like many people, to live in the now. I struggle to live in the present. I'm always living in the past or in the future, especially in the future. And I find that what is wrong with letting go of stuff that's from your past? Because... As they say you know the past is history you know mm-hmm. the future is unwritten so we've really got to focus on the now how yeah. we feel now how we feel today what we're doing now not to say that we can discard our history but yes getting rid of stuff from your past does help you focus on the now yeah. and another thing i did too was when i quit my house six years ago I used to keep a diary. At some at some points in my life, I used to keep a diary or a journal, if you're in the US, and I found these old diaries and I flicked through them, and oh my word, what a nasty, horrible, evil little man I was when oh. I kept those diaries. I was saying horrible things about people. I was really... I was obviously not in a good place and nowhere near as far as I am on my journey now. And I thought, if I die tomorrow and someone finds it, finds these, mm. they're going to read these and think that that horrible little crap that I was when I was 23 years old is still me today. Yeah. And as you know, we all evolve, we all grow. Yeah. And um, I really did not want that that being found. And I, um, I burnt the lot. I, I read them once more as a as an observer rather than the person as, as a reader rather than the person as a writer yeah and um sometimes it was yeah that was nice and then others but most of the time they served to remind me of how much i have grown yeah. but i was so embarrassed about what i'd written and about what i'd said about some people the, that facebook does that we've seen horrible. facebook yeah
2: facebook does that You know so, when yeah. the facebook's quite met on facebook and you look at them and you cringe have you seen it yeah yeah, it's a little cringeworthy, isn't it? I but
4: I, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no. I, d- I
2: don't use Facebook anymore. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, guys, that um, I think I've t- I did something very similar before, and it's not just very symbolic, um, symbolic, but it's it's very it's very much a release when you do. It's f- it's kind of a form of an acceptance. Yeah. Like yeah, this was me, but this is me now. Mm. And it, it's interesting because me and Dan's been reading a good book called. um the Runner by marcus Togby. And you'd, d-
2: you'd probably like that book.
4: Mm-hmm. Really yeah, good. it's a really good book. It's about a man who isolates himself away from society. society, And, he, mm, right. he, and he, all he focuses on is running. That's his yeah. only passion. And
2: living in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and living in the woods.
4: But sure. in, in the book, he, um, his greatest fear was the dark. And right. when he's in the woods, all of a sudden it gets pitch black. Mm. And then he starts bl- envisioning these phantoms chasing him. Right. And he gets terrified of it. And the only fear he ever got over it was his acceptance that he was scared of the dark. And ever yeah. since then, there was no more phantoms. And I found that very similar with you, with uh, my story, was as soon as I accepted um, my issue, was immediately there was there was no more phantoms. Yeah. Mm. And I think there's something very similar in your diaries when you got rid of them. Yeah, it kind of feels like there's no more phantoms in a way. And on a similar story,
3: there was <clears throat> one book that changed my life before i read this simplify your life the book that changed my life was um feel the fear and do it anyway by dr susan jeffers you might have heard of it um i read that book when i was 24 and it absolutely as i say it changed my life because i never realized at that point that you can learn confidence it's not just born within you and the other thing is like you said um about just accepting those fears um, it's also it is just about accepting your fears it's like okay it's okay to be scared of this but you can still do it mm-hmm. and that's that had such an impact on me and um, I've still got the physical copy of the book which is so thread-eaten and you know and underlined and scribbled and, <laughs> um, but yes like you say it, it the title says it all you know you feel the fear but do it anyway, yeah. and it's okay to be scared.
2: There's a great quote. It says, um, "Always remember this." It says, um, "It says, try it." It's I oh, know. Oh, I always remember it. <laughs> Wait, this. It says, "Try the fear of." Oh, it says, "It says the fear of." It says, "Yes, there is fear of of doing the thing that you want to do, but try the fear of not doing that thing."
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. That's what you mean. Really, Yeah, really yeah. good.
4: Yeah, you can get them in deep meditations. Uh, In deep meditation, because I, for I went a year just meditating straight, Mm. and I finally found it. One of my meditations, it was, it was after a big argument, and I just, and I read a um, a quote that says, "In the times of stress, try meditating because it will bring you your really truest, clearest thoughts." And I meditated when I was under a really stressful situation. I've meditated under alcohol that was a really one as well <laughs> and um, I meditated on this really stressful situation obviously I wasn't in the stressful st- I took myself away from the mm, situation mm. and when I undertook it I went on a, a deepest longest meditation I've ever done it was an hour and 20 minutes wow. and usually you only do about 10 15 and basically the breath ended up I wanted me breath to follow me mind mm-hmm. sorry me mind to follow the breath not me mm. breath to follow my mind and I was starting to envision the complete breakdown of not just society but me as a person separating myself from even my own name and I was just imagining envisioning all these forms of forms of myself like letting go of my body and then just being like a, a, gassy, a gaseous like essence mm-hmm. and then eventually just that disappearing and then me name and any known of who I am exist and just vanishing completely and then eventually nothing seemed important any Mm. stressful situation i was in it was completely vanished and all of a sudden i was left with this pure feeling of of acceptance of like whatever happens in life this is just going to be it and it and that was the most profound experience like i've had through meditation but it's something very similar to what you're going Mm. through on your journey i feel like Mm. i feel you stripped away of a lot of these layers and yeah. you understand that the process is still ongoing but you're just accepting like whatever happens mm. is gonna be amazing
3: yeah and and whatever happens I'll be okay and that's um,
4: just knowing that you're gonna be okay at the end of yeah. it yeah did you realize as well when you stripped when you
2: did st- start stripping away the layers <laughs> did you realize that the things that you actually put importance in in the past are actually now looking back looks it's very stupid like oh gosh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. crikey yes <laughs>
3: I mean I as I say, I, I grew up obsessed with money, yeah. and I—I uh, I don't want to regret anything because I think everything you do shapes who you are today. So, you know, Edith Piaf, "Je ne regrette rien." But <laughs> I do look at people who—I mean, even you guys—you're half my age, and you're already so switched on and so open-minded. You've yeah. got—you've got so much licked already, and I just—you know—a little bit envious. That you've got it already at such a, a young
2: age where well, it's took me so flipping long to get there yeah. but hey better late than never see I'll, the, ba- um, the yeah. I, I, lo- I love that but the balance for me the minute what I'm trying to figure out is I might have it switched on I think a lot of people might relate to this is you, you get the steps in your mind to get switched on and you start I mean even this conversation with you I'm seeing the way that you live and you're giving me the, the thing in my mind that it's even possible to, to, to live al- an alternative way of life from the western side of things but it's i think it's about actually and this is one thing i'm trying to get over the line with is actually just try and do the things that in my heart is actually really trying to tell us to do and it's Mm. it's so hard for that how did how did you sort of step over that that line because that's a hard thing i would say that i'm not living i haven't i'm not
3: hardcore i'm really not hardcore yeah and um so I'm not living outside society but yeah, I have a mobile phone, a bank account insurance, I yeah, an address and all this kind of thing all I'm doing is is I'm more.
2: I'd say I'm doing the soft option. Yeah. Because that's where I feel comfortable but doing even, it. But even even the sense of minimalism, because I I about the concept of minimalism in tell to, to a lot of people, and that to them is hardcore. They can't get their head around why would you why do why why do I not need a big flashy car? Why do I not? Need it's loads just of one objects? of those
3: things. It's I suppose as you say, stripping down the
2: layers. Yeah. So, Who
3: are you trying to impress here? Yeah. And one one th- um, event that. Um helped shape it too was my father passing away five years ago, and I go back even further. My father grew up in the second world war with nothing, absolutely nothing they all they had in the family was love that was it. So when he became an adult, um he wanted the way he could see, especially you think in the fifties. The, the money was the route to happiness you know the more money you had the more happier you would be in the 50s was a time of that's when it became that's when we all get when, they, when everyone went on this journey this mm-hmm. path to capitalism and he grew up just obsessed with money I think that's where I got it from as a kid and possessions and things and the more things you have the bigger house well obviously when he passed away uh five years ago obviously we then had the the job of clearing his possessions and they meant nothing and what was what too was ironic really ironic and some people relate to this was that he had so much stuff that he could never find anything so he'd buy a replacement so we would find things like three power drills because he couldn't (laughs) find them so we would buy another one and uh all this stuff and it really weighs you down yeah. so I think one thing I and one thing I did after that was an exercise was what who you know what is this stuff if I die tomorrow because then something you've talked about in previous podcasts which I really latch on is the western culture we shy away from our own mortality yeah. and I think a healthy acceptance of your own mortality a healthy as I say a healthy acceptance keeping mindful of your own mortality and the mortality of people around you is not grim it's not sad it makes you appreciate living in the now Mm -hmm. and you know say with my dog with Dougal he's seven years old now and I know that you know one day yeah he won't be here anymore and as much as it breaks my heart it means that even now And ever since we've been together, um, I appreciate every minute we got together because I know it's not forever. I know that one of us will go first. And so that when I look around at these things and, you know, we had this huge job of getting rid of my dad's stuff. And I'm just trying to think this watch was my dad's and it's a Timex. I mean, it's the most basic watch. Yeah. But it's classic. Um, it's got hands on it. I can see it without my glasses. And yeah, I think that's about the only thing I've got of my dad's. And even then, if it ever breaks and or I lose it, I don't lose my dad. I don't yeah. lose the memory of my dad. Right. So that's
4: a really good point. I think
3: having done that, if you if you are aware of your own mortality, and the fact that we don't own anything, we just borrow it, uh, and it's so true Even this body yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. exactly so we if you if you can get your head around the fact you know we don't own anything we just borrow it we just use it everything around us is eventually going to turn back to dust is going to back, turn back to earth. so we're just borrowing it yeah and if you start thinking about that then why do you need extra stuff so much it just stuff. weighs you down and yeah, yeah it, it really points. does weigh you down a, a second thing is is that um as I say, worked on a railway for twenty-three years at Eurostar. I was a train manager, like a guard, and you could see people who were going away with so much luggage, and they were so weighed mm-hmm. down with these huge bags. And there would be other people who just had a little rucksack, and they would skip yeah. along, you know, because with Eurostar there were no charges for luggage, like mm-hmm. there are on airlines. And so you, but you were responsible for your <laughs> own bags, and. You would see people so weighed down, so stressed. You know, oh, there are no trolleys. There's no trolleys because someone else
2: needs to yeah. provide something for all their stuff. And... <laughs> have you seen George Collins' bit on that? No. I oh, love to watch that. Oh. I, I don't want to do. I might put it at the, either the beginning yeah. of this podcast, or I'll put it at the end. I don't, I don't even think, I'd think want do, I want to do I won't say it. It won't do it justice. Mm. But he's basically got a bit about minimal, minimalism George, uh, George Collins of the comic yeah. and he has a funny bit of basically about like how when everyone goes on holiday you need to take your stuff with you you need to decide what important stuff and then when yeah. someone when you go into a room basically you're in a room and you've got to try and find somewhere to put your stuff yeah. and then you've realised you realise you can not find anywhere to put your stuff because everyone else's mm-hmm. stuff's already there but their stuff's shit and
4: your stuff's stuff <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I had a guy um, I went on holiday to Ibiza with the guys when I was um, younger when I was in the early early 20s and um, he, everyone was carrying like these suitcases and stuff like that and all he came with was shorts <laughs> and vest and that was it wow he had a pair of flip-flops which Hardcore. he bought over there <laughs> yeah. and he, that he's like nah, I don't need anything Every, yeah. everything's going to be provided for us and like it Hardcore. did it did everything was provided for him and it was yeah. strange how he just had that completely mellow relaxed tone he had the more enjoyment out of everyone because yeah. I mean, it was so funny because he said, um, "I'm gonna." Everyone was going up with the showers and like, I get new and all the hair and that. What he did was, he just dove in at the pool, swam to the side, put his vest on, and went out. <laughs> that was that was his shower. <laughs> but that that was how minimalistic yeah. he got, and it was wow. brilliant. How I'm not that hardcore. I am.
2: When you said before about um, your dad as well, and I hope you don't mind us asking this question, yeah. but I might add value to somebody when. Because one of the concepts you know, like we actually want to try and do on this podcast in the future, we want to have somebody who is coming towards the end of their sort of life, sort of say. Yeah, yeah. and then ask them, a, maybe ask them the question of like, would you have done anything different? Mm. What realisation did you have now compared to when you were younger? Oh, did, yeah. did your dad? Was there a point for your dad if you don't mind? Absolutely. What he, what he had yeah, done? he worked like a
3: trooper all his life. Yeah, did um, two jobs, um, set up his own. He yeah, businesses, and he. Only really retired, I think, when he got to about seventy, and he got ill. He um, he had bowel cancer, and he also had COPD, uh, pneumonia. So that was through smoking, and so the last nine years of his life were um, his health was gradually diminishing. And anyone who's had experience of COPD will know that it's it's basically every breath you take isn't quite as powerful as the breath you took before it so it's yeah yeah. and if you can imagine that for nine years how slow that that but there's nothing you can't reverse it you know you can have oxygen and and you can sort of minimize the effects but eventually you will eventually just run out of breath which is what happened and my dad turned to i mean he loved cooking and he used to make cakes and oh gosh yeah (laughs) Uh, his you know cheese straws were legendary and he loved to do this for other people he always loved to do things for other people he was a very very generous man and so for the last nine years of his life um, he spent a lot of time cooking I spent a lot of time cleaning up after it and um, you know just spreading joy basically and spending time with his family he had two grandchildren and I gave up my house um oh gosh 18 months nearly two years before he died so I spent a lot of time with him and um I I he used to drink like a fish he loved his brandy and he never got a hangover oh so annoying um you see i could i could have a thimble full and have a migraine for three days and be face down and but we had a few evenings um getting uh, you know dr- dr- uh, getting drunk on the sofa and and having those father-son chats that yeah. we wouldn't have had otherwise and um one of them you know we both ended up in tears hugging each other it's the only time in our lives we ever hugged each other oh, and so we had all these experiences and he said in one of our very tearful probably alcohol fuel chats i don't really drink anymore now he um he said the nine last nine years of his life were the best nine years because he was no longer focused on money and oh, possessions wow. and more, more bigger better best and more stuff he was now focusing on just enjoying himself and doing what he loved to do, which was to provide for other people, and yeah, he he. So he doesn't regret what he. You know, I, I hate the word regret, but he definitely. He said to me, you know, my last years were definitely the happiest years of my life, right. and um, so that was a huge, huge message for me.
4: But it brought you a lot of comfort as well, didn't it?
3: yeah absolutely I mean this is you have to look at the good in everything and when you have someone who is undergoing palliative care you do have those opportunities to to put things right but you know you never know when someone's going to Pass that would pass away and i just think life is too short to it's,
4: it's so interesting
3: that yeah. you see it now cause we... and again we're, being, we're sorry sorry to oh, interrupt no, no, you there no, but sorry. again we're back to that thing of being aware of mortality and that healthy mindfulness of our own mortality and the mortality of people around us might just help us think like when you had your big argument or whatever and you went off and meditated for an hour and 20 minutes um what would help is if say you'd had an argument with your girlfriend or something, oh that's it.
0: Um
3: that mindfulness of oh gosh, but what if she's not here tomorrow? Mm. You know, it's like you say, yeah. it would oh. <laughs> 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 take you, it, it takes you to a uh, a better place. I don't know, a, a higher place where things are actually, yeah. Do you know what? It doesn't matter about the toothpaste after all. No, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. so yeah. I yeah. You mean,
4: yeah. You sort of you sort of find out like a lot of the. A little trivial things no longer matter, don't they? And exactly, yeah, yeah. like yeah. like the toilet roll or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or the toothpaste, like you said. But um yeah. it does. It just makes you really recognize value, and this is where like this mm-hmm. whole podcast has been for me. It's been like I'm just sitting here, like laid back, just really taking all in, and all I hear is this is value. This is value, mm-hmm. and it truly is. This is like the more you you shuttle down, the more you find value, and. I'm. Yeah. I've never been like. Um, I've never been a one uh, for minimalism. Um, but I've. But I buy things when necessary. Yeah. So, and I do get rid, discard things when necessary. Mm. I've never. Um, but I've, I love the concept of it, and I love the idea of like taking taking a step back and and readdress uh, re. Read- readdressing like each and every single area of life because you don't just minimalize your house and that's it no. you minimalize your mind yeah. the whole concept of it's you identity. as a person your identity shifts and that's what's scary about it because people believe these stuffs identity and it's never has been and never will be but they, they always attach like like maybe your father attached money as an identity Um, i want to be this is me this is i want to be the flash guy with the flash card the, the money in the bank this is my this is what I want my identity to be. to and never is the case it never will be with with any three of us mm. what we need to find out though is even after minimalism who is you and who is your identity and that's that's where the growth will occur and if you find it in like just like it just go to different places brilliant if you find it in podcasting brilliant if you find it in writing brilliant yeah. but that's the goal it's just finding that beautiful thing that you can pounce on
3: yeah I i think where i find my identity is very similar to my dad where he um he wanted to help people he wanted to basically bake them cakes and, yeah. and make them happy I love that. and i feel with me it's to inspire people um, and that is just something i want to do and it's not so much that i just want you know i want to be superman but it's it's i know that the work i've done has made a few people think about what they're doing and well if he can do it i can do it and as a kid and a teenager especially i i used to feel so inadequate because i would see people you know in the sunday supplements or whatever they were always cool and they were always good looking or pretty and they were always smart and Mm -hmm. I was never any of these things and I still don't think I am and uh, so I'd say my identity is almost being so average, so normal because I, I feel that I don't excel in any way, I'm not smart, I'm not good looking, I'm not rich, I'm not cool but I'm doing this and I just think if i can do this um then people who are reading what i'm writing or watching my videos and that rather than thinking what's well, all right for him because he's young pretty smart got a beautiful girlfriend is that any other no i'm just a m- average middle-aged bloke with a dog and uh, uh just just doing my thing and so i would say that my identity is coming from just similar to my dad wanting to help everyone it's that sort of thing it's nothing nothing I'm not going to sound I don't think it's special it is special but nothing special if you see what I mean it's not grand it's It's not not grand yeah but it's it's not flashy it's not you know I'm not the latest Casey Neistat or Pete McKinnon on YouTube or you know I'm I'm just a
4: very very average bloke and I think that is such a great thing how many people right now are just average bloke's Just living their lives and millions exactly. We always like put emphasis on the on the aim that one percent thing. That's it, that's what I want to look like. I mean, when I was a kid, man, I was like 14 years old. I think I was in year seven or eight or whatever. And like, I was so like ego self conscious, I needed to look like good all the time. And I always had my hair done. (laughs) And I remember once, like, it was like, um. It was raining and me hair got dry and I was like oh my god it was like the what worst disaster do? ever disaster, and yeah. this is where I realized like I poured a mm-hmm. can of coke right in me hand and I put it through me hair oh, to design no. me hair and I thought like the can th- it would stick and anyways me hair was just absolutely st- stunk, <laughs> uh, My hands were sticky, me whole hair was like running down here, My face was sticky and I was thinking that was my moment when I was like 14 just thinking whoa whoa look at your life now man. yeah <laughs> look at what you're doing can, and can is, you, is is it worth can it can you remember
2: when you did that for me we were in college and you spilt a ribena on the jumper
4: yes i did yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> in the moment we me and you both at the same time we're like oh no oh no but now looking back at that it's like right who cares yeah <laughs> <exactly>. it's, it's <laughs> looking yeah. back
4: in the little things like these little moments yeah. where you think that, that, that was actually crucial yeah. to me just thinking that like, mm. Pouring that coke on my head, God, this is going on the podcast. <laughs> I can't believe it. But pouring coke on my head to do my hair it was actually a revelation for me because it made me think, like, well, where's these boundaries of of um, beauty, and mm-hmm. that that's what I have I went into like a little introspection there with me or mine going, like I spent ages afterwards just going, why have I done this? Why have that, I done yeah. this? And I I realised it worth it. It wasn't worth it. And I thought mm. that is the far end of the barren aspect of like. <laughs> where i was willing to do yeah. and it was scary and brought me back to a bit more back to reality after that yeah
3: but what again what i'm finding interesting too is that just doing what i feel is right and mm. doing what i'm doing that is doing pretty well and um a lot of the especially caravan and Motown communities in the uk are engaging with what i'm doing and um probably got one of the biggest youtube channels and followings and all that which is I'm not saying that for bragging rights, but we have a large big event coming up in the industry um next week and there are lots of people who are invited to talk and appear on stands and basically attract people to the show and no one's asked me to do that because um I'm not particularly cool or young or or um interesting, you know, or i'm not much of a draw but what's interesting is that if you actually reach out to the people who are going to that show they're the ones who are who are following what i'm doing they're the ones they're my lovely supporters and subscribers and all this that and the other but the industry doesn't see that it just wants the the shiny pretty yeah and I'm marketable. Finding you're marketable uh, but what i'm saying is that's what people are perceiving as marketable whereas actually the reality yeah. if you want to look at the cold hard stats and figures is that average is amazing average is so amazing and so relatable
2: yeah and um it's so I that's, I that's why I think, no, I'm um, sorry to jump in, but that's yeah. why I think in general there's many different alternative things. Like, even just the example of the podcast, as well, mm. there's many different new channels that are emerging. That people deep down are craving something, they are craving mm. that more rawness, that more real. That's the probably word yeah. more real, people authentic. Are, yeah, people are mm. sick of the same, the same like pretty girl just selling a product or a pretty girl standing oh, beside a caravan yeah. going like this because that's not
3: that's not real, and also one of the videos i made was about van life was about um some of the challenges Mm -hmm. which we've talked about tonight you know the community Mm -hmm. what about if you got ill um and, and things like this and it's not to say that you want to labor those points because you still want to inspire people who want to do it and and but at the same time it's also not misleading people and I I obviously see some things on on YouTube or on Instagram where there's always the 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 woman with the uh, you know the 18 inch waist and the crop top you know leaning into an overhead coverage and you think oh <laughs> for goodness sake you know really <laughs> uh, it's just
2: there's one yeah. good thing about that though as well if that it, we know that Dan yeah, we know th- <laughs> yeah there's, there's a few good things about that <laughs> but there's no there's definitely one good thing about that which I've realised because is that. Even that video might pull in that, that person who wouldn't normally be interested in van life. It could pull Maybe. them into it and then go, whoa, this looks but, quite actually interesting.
3: But if I go back to old me, mm-hmm. young me, teenage me, I would look at that and it would just make me feel so inadequate that
2: there's no way I would ever be able to do that and I would turn the page. Mm-hmm. See, it would be opposite for me because I would see that and think, "Well, if I get a van <laughs> yeah. and I go on the road and I see that girl, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might like, get it. <laughs> yeah. No. You see, I, when, with,
3: with with people with me, and I don't know if I'm just a bit weird like that, but um, yeah, I would see things like that. Um, especially, I suppose, maybe before I read Susan Jeffers. I don't know, but all those things just serve to make me feel so sad and so inadequate. And I think actually, I'm not talking rubbish because, with social media, the Instagram image of lots mm-hmm. of things, they, I think they've pretty much proven that people's mental health is suffering yeah, because yeah. of this perception of perfection all the time and yeah. I think the more of us who come along and say this is great it's not perfect, I'm not perfect I'm flawed, this is flawed but I still love it, that is a very healthy thing to do and not so marketable because it's all a bit, oh you know Oh, yes we're not so sure about that but hmm. at the same time you know you, you, you're you selling reality not the dream sorry we're not selling it but you know you're talking about reality rather than the dream yeah even no matter how wonderful that reality is and so yeah i i think there is a slight danger in this um perception of perfection and i just that's why i love doing what i do and i think a lot more people could be doing this which is just yeah. being themselves and doing it their way and, and doing things your own way and right now i'm doing youtube my own way and i have a huge inspiration on youtube and he's a creator called uh, sean tucker who is a photographer he's got a photography channel he's british based and his content he does one video a month it is so good he is so philosophical it's so thought-led it's the complete antithesis of the shouty clickbaity mm-hmm. yeah. kind of oh uh, look at me kind of thing yeah. and he's you know in in the words of the clickbaiters he's crushing youtube because he's attracting all the thought-based people and i'm yeah, thinking yes that's that's where i always wanted to be and um i've taken down a couple of my old videos where i was trying sort of the uh flashy clickbaities kind of stuff because I'm so embarrassed about them now and I know they say you should never take them down but yeah, I, do. I do we look back at old podcasts yeah. and cringe don't we
2: Yeah, all the time
3: yeah but um, again that's a bit like burning the diaries I don't want people to think that's the, who I'm doing now what I'm doing now but yeah um, I remember one of my first videos at the sh- this show, it was about this huge motorhome and it was £380,000. And I was all oh, you know, the, the dream motorhome. And someone said, no, put the world's most expensive motorhome. I said, but it's not. I know it's not yeah. you know you can get a volkner for a million euro no but put it and then people and I kind of did it cuz I was learning youtube and I just felt so awful about it after 3 <laughs> weeks I changed the title back to like no, the the, the 380,000 pound motorhome and um <laughs> but it was just actually really do what you feel is right yeah. and no matter how unsexy or unmarketable it is You You will be surprised, yeah. Because people just want authenticity. Yeah. Yeah.
2: If you could, um, maybe just to bring this podcast to an end, if you could, maybe give, say, if somebody's listening to this now and they want to start, even they want to look into minimalism or they want to just start living with life with more uh, higher intentions or live live more simply. What would you maybe say to them? Um, Oh my goodness! Well, there's
3: tons of resources out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so just search on the internet, minimalism, and you'll come across uh, the minimalists, uh, which is Josh Fields, and Milburn, Josh Milburn, yeah, Josh Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, yeah. Um, their writing is a good place to start. Um, obviously, just just look at a few YouTube and 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 uh, read a few blogs and, and this and the other, and just do a bit of reading about it and start. Start thinking about it, and maybe do just do some reading, and start questioning your own habits, and just start being mindful of what you're doing. And is this serving you? What could you could you do it another way? I guess it's there's a lot of introspection, but um, yeah, start thinking what would truly make you happy. And my golden rule for everything in life, which is probably a great place to end, is um, do what you enjoy doing don't worry about the rest because it comes naturally and that's 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 probably that's served me so well all my life is just do what you enjoy doing the rest will come naturally and 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 the other thing is is that if things are happening if 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 it's a real struggle to achieve what you're trying to achieve it's a huge struggle things aren't happening um, easily Maybe you're on the wrong path because when you're on the right path things happen easily and I found this so many times, time and time again, that just do what feels right, do what feels natural and do what's easy and you'll find that's the correct path for you rather than fighting all the time and the, the less you have, the less obstacles you have the
2: easier that is. Yeah, love that. Love I love that. I want to read this as well. See if you like yeah. this. I actually right. had this the other day just to finish the podcast. I told Chris it, but I'm going to read it so I don't butcher it. All right. He says, he who is of few needs, easy to, served, sw- e- easy to serve, swiftly finds peace. The complicated we make ourselves, the complicated our idea of ourselves is. Yeah. Absolutely. That yeah. Powerhouse that. Yeah. Great podcast cool. by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. Thank you. Wow. Cheers.